In the um, uh, discussions or the reading we've done so far uh, from the Dattavibhanga Sutta, it uh, came up to the point where the uh, meditator is uh, contemplating the arising and uh, cessation of feeling uh, based on the arising and cessation of contact. And that contemplation is uh, leading to the uh, ultimate maturation of wisdom uh, wherein the uh, meditator uh, is not uh, striving uh, for any kind of being or non-being. Uh, what does this mean? Uh, there's another sutta um, in the um, Samyutta Nikaya, which is quoted by um, uh, Bhikkhu Bodhi, uh, that's referring to uh, some people as being stuck and others is going too far. Uh, so the, the one who is uh, stuck is the person who has a desire for continuation of existence or a desire for a rebirth in a state of existence such as at the, in a heavenly realm or in a, one of the um, realms that can be obtained through meditation like the realm of infinite consciousness, the realm of infinite space and so on. Uh, and so uh, this, uh, uh, there's the, the gross desire based on liking and disliking, which causes a gross kind of agitation. And then there's the uh, desire for a state of, of, of bhava, a state of becoming, that causes a subtle agitation. Uh, I would characterize it as a kind of a, an anxiety uh, 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 based on um, wishing for continuation of existence or for obtaining some kind of existence. And then uh, the person who uh, uh, goes too far is somebody who sees the pain of this um, striving for existence and then uh, they become uh, horrified and disgusted uh, by existence and they uh, uh, wish uh, to uh, uh, 
come to um, the end of this assumed existence. So they are um, seeing the pain and the fabrication of a self and then wishing that if the self could be destroyed, that would be the end of suffering. But that is a, a wrong way of taking it because it still is on the assumption that the self is a real thing that the person is trying to uh, destroy and get away from. Uh, but the uh, sage, the one who's on the right path, is not either uh, trying to create or fabricate a state of existence and not trying to uh, destroy or come to the end of an assumed state of existence, but instead just watching the arising and passing away of phenomena. And so then it's uh, with uh, this uh, watching the arising and passing away uh, and it, this is part of the development of wisdom. This is where uh, the Buddha said uh, that one should be um, one should not neglect wisdom. He's recommending heedfulness uh, with regard to wisdom. So he's, he's recommending a, a continued um, dedication of devotion uh, not to uh, uh, give up on watching the rising and, and, uh, and passing away of phenomena, uh, particularly in the realm of, um, of feeling. Uh, I love the word apamato, which is the Pali for heedfulness, uh, because it uh, has a um, the root word at the very center of it is called mad, mada, M A D, and uh, Mada means uh, mad as in insane, uh, and it also has means uh, uh, like intoxication. Uh, and then pamada would be like to be really crazy or really intoxicated. So pamada, heedlessness would be like going around in a blackout. So there's like a lot of um, a lot of delusion in heedlessness. Um, and then apamata is being free from that delusion. So we could say in a certain way the apamato is um, a sobriety, a kind of a sobriety that's just not swept away, that's just very cool, and just, just watching, just to see how it actually is. Um, then, uh, 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 he's describing how the, this uh, practice 
of contemplating the uh, impermanence rising and passing of phenomena leads to the uh, non-agitation and leads to uh, realizing uh, the ultimate truth, which is the truth of the destruction of, of uh, craving. So uh, when he says that uh, 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 that this uh, matures in non-agitation, uh, that's referring to non-craving, being finally uh, released from the agitation of craving. And that will be uh, enlightenment. That's nibbana, is the freedom from craving. And uh, so then it the, becomes the supreme uh, ultimate uh, wisdom, the wisdom of having the um, knowledge of the experience of, of enlightenment. Uh, then he, he is describing um, the... Um, uh, really, the uh, perspective of enlightenment, or the perspective of a of a fully awakened arhat, when he talks about the three other points of of these uh, four foundations, uh, the point of uh, uh, truth, uh, relinquishment, and uh, peace, and these three are so. Um, interconnected and intertwined it's uh, uh, would be difficult for me to say that we're still in the realm of um, a gradual training where one would then uh, for um, you know a certain amount of time um, uh, uh, cultivate the uh, non-deceptiveness of the truth of nirvana, and then uh, subsequent to that, one would uh, develop um, a, a relinquishment from um, the uh, asavas, and uh, subsequent to that, one would experience peace. Uh, but instead, it seems to me almost as if the the Buddha is, uh, in a certain way, um, exploring uh, different. Uh, uh, facets or different aspects of um, the lifestyle of an arhat are, are what would be the, the consequences of the awakening. Uh, again, I'm going to uh, read from the sutta. With this um, uh, ultimate or the full development of this wisdom factor, uh, possessing the supreme foundation of wisdom, uh, namely the destruction of all suffering because of the end of craving. Um, then uh, his deliverance being founded upon truth is unshakable, for that is false, which has a deceptive nature, and that is true, which has an undeceptive nature, Nibbana. Therefore, a bhikkhu possessing this truth possesses the supreme foundation of truth. Then uh, the next is about uh, relinquishment or uh, chaga, uh, which I, I mentioned earlier. 
is uh, sometimes uh, translated as uh, generosity or giving, uh, but that then here is described as uh, uh, giving up and relinquishing. And it's not only um, giving up things or giving up one's time or giving up um, the things that are uh, unwanted, but it's also giving away all the things that uh, seem to be the essence. I used the um, uh, uh, metaphor a couple of days ago about uh, in uh, remodeling a house uh, when, the, the, when the architect suggested to give up the front door and the front porch then um, it uh, suddenly became clear in the way of looking at the whole design of that small um, bungalow was completely transformed by giving away something that seems kind of like an essential part of a house. Um, so we give up not only what's peripheral or um, the small parts or the unwanted parts, but we give up uh, what seems to be the, uh, the very essence. Uh, in this, the Zutta says, formerly, when he was ignorant, he undertook and accepted acquisitions. Uh, now he has abandoned them, cut them off at the root, made them like a palm stump, done away with them, so that they are no longer subject to future arising. Therefore, a bhikkhu, possessing this relinquishment, possesses the supreme foundation of relinquishment. Um, namely, the relinquishment of all acquisitions. And... Um, uh, so uh, then um, based on this relinquishment then it comes to the peace uh, formerly uh, uh, when he was ignorant he experienced covetousness desire and lust now he's abandoned them cut, cut them off and so forth so they're not subject to future arising. Formerly, when he was ignorant, he experienced anger, ill will, and hate. Now those are abandoned, cut off at the root, and done away with, so they're no longer subject to future arising. Formerly, when he was ignorant, he experienced ignorance and delusion. Now he's abandoned them, cut them off, made them like a palm stump, done away with them, so that they are no longer subject to future arising. Therefore, a bhikkhu is possessing peace. What's the peace? It's the peace from being uh, far away, uh, completely away uh, from all of the agitation and disturbance that arises based on uh, greed, hatred, and delusion. Um, this is the supreme noble peace. The pacification of lust, hate, and delusion so it's with reference to this that it was said one should not neglect wisdom, should preserve truth, should cultivate relinquishment, and should train for peace. Um, the tides of conceiving do not sweep over one who stands upon these foundations. And when the tides of conceiving no longer sweep over him, he is called the sage at peace. Uh, so it was said... 
um, you know, tides, the tides, what Bhikkhubhati so creatively translated as the tides, uh, it could be translated as a swelling, a swelling up. And so a swelling up of conceiving is in a certain way, uh, uh, when a person has pride, you might say they have a swelled head, or they're like swollen with pride, so they become very, you know, stiff uh, with, with, uh, with conceit. And so they, that's not happening. So they don't have that stiffness, they don't have that swelling uh, with uh, conceiving. Uh, and then the, the bhikkhu, uh, the, the Buddha explains further what he means by conceiving. Uh, he defines I am is a conceiving, I am this is a conceiving, I shall be is a conceiving, I shall not be is a conceiving, I shall be possessed of form is a conceiving, I shall be formless is a conceiving, I shall be percipient is a conceiving, I shall be non-percipient is a conceiving, I shall be neither percipient nor non-percipient is conceiving. Conceiving is a disease, conceiving is a tumor, conceiving is a dart. By overcoming all conceiving speakers, one is called a sage at peace. And the sage at peace is not born, does not age, does not die. He is not shaken. He does not yearn. For him, there is nothing present in him by which he might be born. Not being born, how could he age? Not aging, how could he die? Not dying, how could he be shaken? Not being shaken, how can he yearn? In a way, you could say this uh, uh, teaching is uh, uh, particularly directed to uh, somebody who might have a strong attraction towards uh, trying to uh, practice meditation in a way to be reborn in one of those very peaceful, subtle realms, uh, one of those uh, special heavens for uh, people who have um, uh, the high attainments, uh, the, the formless attainments in meditation. Uh, and uh, I don't know if it's that much true of modern people that we're led astray and we stop short of the goal uh, because of being uh, seduced or attracted to some kind of a heavenly rebirth. Uh, And uh, it may depend on the uh, temperament of an individual and it it could also um, depend on their uh, stage in life and their life experiences. Uh, certainly, uh, among uh, people I know who have died, uh, often uh, they may go through a lot of uh, suffering uh, before they die, uh, based on on uh, illness and it's. Um, We go to the funeral and we think, well, 
it's so great that they've been released from the particular suffering they're in with having to um, occupy a body that was wrapped by disease. Uh, and um, all of the excruciating problems that we get involved with in trying to uh, make the life go on a little bit longer when the person is is uh, wrapped by terminal disease. Uh, and uh, but in in doing that in a shallow way, we could uh, stop short of the goal. And there are other ways uh, that I think um, uh, modern uh, people uh, might also uh, fall short of the goal because they take um, that meditation and the uh, um, benefits resulting from this uh, Dhamma practice and from these insights as being a kind of a psychotherapy and they're aiming for uh, having a a joyful resilient beautiful flexible peaceful mind here in this life and they see um, that kind of a, a joyful existence in the here and now that's based on virtue, kindness, and, and a certain amount of wisdom, that they, they see that as being um, good enough, uh, uh, but don't see the, um, the danger or don't see the um, a necessity to go further and to uh, actually give up uh, all the conceding or to uh, continue practicing with uh, urgency uh, 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 watching how uh, watching impermanence uh, in particular, um, seeing the uh, uh, subtle and gross kinds of suffering that arise from uh, any type of craving at all, and having a spiritual urgency uh, to understand that as long as they're uh, swept up by those kind of sufferings, uh, that they're not yet in a safety zone, they're not yet. Uh, uh, free from danger, uh, that they're able to go on to another rebirth, are able to um, uh, fall into the uh, a circumstance where this uh, um, island of beautiful, um, sane and um, refined 
lifestyle that they built up uh, can be uh, can be be shaken if we if we don't have our um, insight uh, really opened up and, and really established if it's just being followed based on uh, you know virtue and um, uh, faith uh, then then uh, then we're not out of danger I noticed last night that uh, uh, the room in the meditation was uh, more restless than it had been in the previous couple of nights and I realized that this is the last uh, full day of this uh, community retreat and that uh, people might be um, experiencing um, being um, destabilized because uh, the mind uh, starts to go out of the retreat and think about um, other um, uh, things uh, uh, which maybe need to be taken care of and so the the um, impulses that are uh, unskillful or the asadas or you know irritation or um, the um, impatience um, could be arising now in a way that it, it wasn't arising um, uh, a couple of days ago. Um, so this then is the uh, opportunity uh, in practice to um, uh, realize that uh, as we emerge from retreat and some of the um, inner defilements that were uh, temporarily held at bay because of the beautiful um, artificial atmosphere that we have of the retreat, that those um, difficult reactions might um, arise again. And uh, uh, so that, like for example, um, having a certain amount of physical pain from sitting uh, could be um, that um, like when the mind is very open and relaxed and very uh, as stable that it's possible to hold uh, that a uh, certain amount of uh, physical pain but then if the mind uh, it closes a little bit uh, because then uh, the very same experience that we had before could become uh, like pro- be provoking like anxiety and worry or, or some other kind of uh, mental reaction and then um, the pain that was okay yesterday a couple of days ago then becomes not okay and, and becomes a, a cause of, of uh, restlessness. So at this point, uh, it's uh, the great opportunity to um, take the, uh, you know, the sequence of practice and have the flexibility of uh, picking up the the approach that's uh, suitable for what's coming up. Uh, so, if uh, possible, say uh, with respect to um, unpleasant feeling, whether it be coming from something uh, physical that's being experienced or whether it's coming from some uh, thought or memory or something mental that's coming along, uh, uh, 
if we've uh, got a very settled state that's uh, um, in samadhi or close to samadhi, then we can simply uh, watch those in terms of impermanence, in terms of rising and passing away. Uh, but if our state of mind is not close to samadhi, uh, and instead is uh, subject to the hindrances, uh, then we have to uh, drop back to the um, teaching that was given at the beginning of the sutta about seeing how, uh, based on feeling, the mind goes to objects and explores objects. And just uh, uh, be very clear and uh, observing what it is, what the mind's doing. And, and, uh, and doing this also with a kind of a joy because uh, this is what uh, um, uh, the Buddha uh, recommended, uh, that it's uh, natural that uh, this would happen, that uh, uh, objects will be productive of joy and grief, and the mind will go out to objects. And so we can see that and we can say, you know, oh, the Buddha was right. Uh, if there's a certain amount of mental reactivity to the different feeling colors, then we can say, oh, the Buddha was right. This is how this is. I can see the arising of dukkha right here. Um, and based on um, seeing and watching it um, with as much a detachment and clarity as possible, then. Uh, it may become uh, sufficiently calmed down or not not so not gripping the mind so much that it would be uh, possible to uh, turn one's attention away from watching the mind spinning around with its obsessions uh, and instead turning the attention towards uh, uh, for example, the uh, uh, physical elements, uh, looking at the earth element, the uh, water element, and so on, and uh, uh, using uh, those contemplations to uh, stabilize the mind and bring the mind into a more of a safe space, away from um, the danger of being triggered into reactivity, and then from that safe space it may be possible to then sort of emerge from the elements meditation and organize feelings in a way in which one is simply seeing arising and cessation of feeling without getting um, caught up into uh, mental formations about it. In a lot of uh, the uh, suttas, the um, uh, description of the goal, the description of the the final goal of awakening or enlightenment is given in terms of uh, a kind of a brief um, and somewhat uh, uh, formulaic way. There's just a few uh, terms in terms of seeing things, seeing the yata bhutanyana dasana, seeing Reality as it is, or as it as it becomes, um, then um, uh, disenchantment, 
um, becoming uh, dispassionate uh, with that uh, dispassion uh, being free free from that disturbance and then being free um, recognizing or knowing that freedom and then uh, 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 knowing that the uh, asavas or the defilements have been destroyed uh, there's uh, not that there are many uh, sutras that don't uh, dwell in the uh, rich uh, detail that this one does about explaining the experience of enlightenment like how is it uh, to be an arhat and so this is one way that, that this sutta is, is so beautiful and so inspiring uh, because it's giving a, the, this uh, penetrating but a very uh, clear and vivid uh, uh, exploration of what is the psychology of an awakened person like and how is that psychology different than uh, the psychology of an ordinary person. Uh, so uh, uh, as we are developing ourselves along the path of this uh, Buddhist practice uh, it's certainly um, uh, necessary to have an orientation towards the goal and even the way it's presented uh you know, sometimes they they um, uh, even uh, meditation teachers uh, don't like to uh, tell the students too much, like what what's it going to be like when you obtain concentration, or what's going what's it going to be like when you obtain stages of awakening, or something like that, because then um, the uh, student in their kind of uh, sincere, uh, wishful uh, thinking and and wanting to obtain those states could sort of uh, like uh, tuck themselves into it and and could uh, have a sort of a um, like a false uh, awakening or be uh, deluded that they think that they've they've um, attained something that they haven't attained it they're just um, sort of like uh, imitating um, the characteristics that they've heard about or even if, if you've met a, a teacher who's um, an enlightened uh, teacher um, imitating the uh, behavior and the, the um, affect of um, that teacher who's inspired you. Uh, uh, but still, um, because uh, of the way this is described, it's almost like to do that kind of imitation of enlightenment would be a type of craving for existence. So, uh, it almost uh, is uh, like self-correcting. That if you're really honest with yourself, if you're trying to like uh, pretend to be saint holy or pretending to be, to have some attainment beyond what you actually have, you can see that you've, you've wandered away from being 
completely in touch with and completely settled with reality as it is. Uh, so, um, having the orientation towards enlightenment in that way, um, in my opinion, uh, if it's properly understood, it doesn't lead to uh, a hypocrisy or a deluded kind of uh, uh, imitation of enlightenment. Uh, but instead, uh, it gives a lot of uh, encouragement for uh, a complete honesty in our quest. And because of that uh, complete honesty, we can know uh, where we are and still have the uh, confidence and the uh, effectiveness of these uh, practices that are given to us. And the uh, 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 sense of ease and um, confidence and uh, a kind of uh, true happiness of knowing that one is on the right path and one has the right orientation. Um, and so um, those are my reflections for now. Um, this would be the last uh, full talk in this series. And at the um, closing uh, discussion tomorrow after lunch, we might just have a maybe some um, a sharing from others who've been uh, sitting may have some um, reflections about about this uh, subject and about this retreat. So thank you for your patient listening. So...